I want to call your attention now to the book of Acts, chapter 24, from which I read a few moments ago, Acts chapter 24, and we'll pick up reading where we left off, beginning in verse 24, Acts chapter 24, verse 24, and after certain days, When Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. And may God bless the reading of Holy Scripture to our hearts. To me, this is one of the most intriguing scenes in all of the book of Acts. Paul preaching to Felix and Drusilla. And there is much for us to learn here. May the Lord help us today. We have read the earlier part of the chapter, which tells us something of the setting here. It was between two and three weeks earlier when Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, had barely avoided being beaten to death just outside of the temple court in Jerusalem by a mob of angry Jews who were opposed to the gospel, who had been stirred up by false accusations made against Paul. Paul avoided death only because, by God's providence, Roman soldiers, hearing the commotion who were nearby, came and rescued Paul from these angry Jews. Now Paul was in the Roman legal system, as his case is playing out in Roman courts. Because of threats on his life, even as a prisoner in Jerusalem, Paul was sent to the city of Caesarea, about 80 miles away 
for his own safety. While he was awaiting further proceedings. And so just a few days uh, before the scene here in our text in verses 24 and following, Paul had appeared before the governor of that region, a man named Felix. Accusers against Paul from Jerusalem had made their way to Caesarea. And Felix heard their case, recorded again in the earlier verses of this chapter. And then he hears Paul's answer and Paul's defense, recorded here also. And apparently, Felix was convinced of Paul's innocence. There was no solid case against him for having violated any Jewish law there in Jerusalem, though that was the accusation against him. Felix puts the case on hold until others from Jerusalem will come and make a more detailed and perhaps complete case against Paul And in the meanwhile, Felix calls for an informal, private meeting with the prisoner, Paul. Felix seems to be curious about Paul's religion. He wants to hear in some further detail what Paul believes and what Paul preaches, what is his message? It's called the faith in Christ here in verse 24. He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Also in this private meeting was the wife of Felix, a woman named Drusilla, mentioned there in verse 24. And it could be, and some writers suggest, that this meeting was actually uh, the idea of, or at least was encouraged by, Drusilla. Since she was a nominal Jewish uh, follower herself, she may have had a special, a special uh, interest in hearing Paul. Now, these characters are so interesting. I want to give just a brief sketch from secular history concerning them. Felix had been born as a slave in the Roman Empire. He had a brother named Pallas, spelled P-A-L-L-A-S, or Pallas. They had both managed to become free men and were no longer slaves as they were by birth. They were very hardworking, very ambitious, and very scheming brothers. 
palace became a favorite of the emperor Nero. And through him, Felix was able to secure a very uh, prestigious post as the procurator of Palestine or governor of Palestine. The name Felix literally means happy. But he was anything but a happy man. He was corrupt in every way imaginable. The Roman historian Tacitus says that Felix was guilty of much cruelty and injustice throughout his government. He was given to greed and bribery, and his office provided unlimited opportunity for that kind of uh, activity. His moral life was a wreck. According to Tacitus, relying upon the influence of his brother at court, the infamous palace, this man Felix acted as if he had a license to commit every crime with impunity. <laughs> well, you know, politics in those days isn't, uh, wasn't so much different than nowadays. This man fits the definition of tyrant. Lawless. He does anything he pleases. He's a law unto himself. And then there is Drusilla. Drusilla was born to nominally Jewish parents. She was of the Herod family. Her father was Herod Agrippa I, the one who in Acts chapter 12 killed James with the sword, <coughs> the apostle James. Her great uncle Herod Antipas had beheaded John the Baptist. And her great-grandfather, Herod the Great, had killed many children in Bethlehem, hoping to kill the young Jesus. This is her background, her lineage. Her brother, by the way, was Herod Agrippa II, who comes into the scene uh, in the uh, very next chapter here in the book of Acts that Paul would again appear before. <clears throat> According to Josephus, this brother of Drusilla, Herod Agrippa II, had given her in marriage to a Gentile king who had agreed to become a Jew in order to marry her. That means he had to be circumcised to marry Drusilla. Well, the marriage lasted only for a short time. Felix was introduced to Drusilla, and upon seeing her, he became enamored with her beauty. 
and with the help of one who's called a, a magician, he convinced her to leave her husband and marry him. That gives you an idea of the moral character of Drusilla. She and Felix were quite a couple, you see. At the time that Paul preached to her in our text, Drusilla was 22 years old. Perhaps just a newlywed to Felix. Later on, she bore a son to Felix, who was given the family name Agrippa. Well, providentially, the path of each of these crossed here on this day. In Caesarea, here is Felix, Drusilla, and Paul. And Paul preached to them. And we get an idea of his preaching here in verse 25. It says that he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And as he did so, Felix trembled. If you could only be the proverbial fly on the wall uh, in that place that day, what, what a scene it must have been. Paul's preaching obviously was bold. It was direct. I get the impression that Felix and Drusilla got more than they had asked for and more than they expected. I would imagine that they went into this private meeting with Paul expecting to hear a, a rather cold lecture about a uh, philosophy and uh, a theory. They go into this wanting to expand their knowledge base of uh, comparative religions what is this Christianity? Here, here's an opportunity to hear it firsthand from one of its uh, foremost advocates. Perhaps they expected something of a friendly fireside chat. Instead, they were confronted with claims of truth, the proclamation of God concerning their own sin and God's claims upon them, God's case against them. And yes, the divine remedy for them and the coming judgment day, Paul proclaimed the Christian message with authority and boldness. It's worth noting that in the public courtroom a few days earlier, here in Acts chapter 24, Paul speaks 
respectfully to Felix as a judge, but here in private conversation, he speaks to him boldly as a sinner. I think if some of our modern day preachers were in Paul's shoes that day, they would have made a seeker-friendly kind of service. To make Felix feel accepted. Anything except to feel guilty. And they could go away and gain this reputation uh, for being the chaplain to those in high office. A chaplain to the governor. But that was not Paul's approach at all, was it? It says that he reasoned there in verse 25. This word speaks of a discourse, but a powerful discourse. Mingling, we might say, thought with thought. Discoursing, arguing the case. Paul presented a carefully woven argument delivered with God-given boldness. Oh, that God would help us to follow that pattern. And that God would raise up men to preach that way today. Well, we notice specifically the content of Paul's message and his, his outline is given to us here. Three points. Righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. His outline, in some way, is a basic reflection of what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would preach. In John chapter 16, when he said, when... The Spirit has come. He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. But we take these in this order as given here. Righteousness, first of all. Paul preached to Felix and Drusilla a message of righteousness. And it's interesting and kind of disappointing to me that some writers think that Paul was just giving him advice on how to be a better governor uh, in Palestine. How to have a righteous government and have just application of laws and so on. But I see much more in this term righteousness. I think Paul went right to the heart of the gospel. And that was what had been asked of him after all. According to verse 24... Felix had sent for Paul to hear him concerning the faith in Christ. Paul didn't go in to appear before Felix simply giving him moral instructions and self-improvement. He comes preaching righteousness that there is a God in heaven who is righteous and just. Holy, 
pure. And that man fallen in sin is unrighteous and is a sinner before God. And man in his fallen sinful state cannot attain unto righteousness. We cannot arrive at the righteousness that God requires of those who enter his presence and have fellowship with him. The message of righteousness includes the fallenness of man before a righteous God and our inability to satisfy God and meet his righteous demands. Paul is telling Felix, you stand guilty before God. So much is comprehended in this term righteousness. In it is included the gospel truth of imputed righteousness by Jesus Christ. His perfection, his perfect obedience, or his righteousness being put to the account of a guilty sinner. And that sinner being accepted by God. Because God looks on him and sees not his sin, but he sees the righteousness of Christ credited to him. Paul preached this gospel message. Christ has fulfilled all of God's demands in the place of his people, suffering the penalty of their sins. Under the heading of righteousness here is certainly included the duty of Felix and Drusilla to turn from their sin and trust in Christ. Believe on him for the forgiveness of sins and a right standing with God. And then Paul preached, it says, about temperance. And this term means literally self-control, moderation. The opposite of temperance would be Indulgence. Temperance is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially sensual appetites, lusts, and passions. In other words, Paul preached self-discipline and chastity. And Here is where Felix and Drusilla come under direct fire from Paul the prisoner and the Christian gospel that he preached. This was the very sin of which they were guilty. Their whole life, their whole lifestyle was the very opposite of temperance. They were indulgent. They refused no lust 
indulged all their lusts. And so when Paul reasoned with them of temperance, what's he saying to them? He's saying to them, here is what the Christian life looks like. And he's applying it personally in their case. Here are the sins that you must give up. Here is the new life and the new lifestyle that God demands and that God in grace enables. Again, we should not think that Paul, by preaching temperance here, is simply giving them moral advice (coughs) or moralism. He is explaining what the fruits of repentance are. What a repentant heart and life looks like under the Lordship of Christ. Here is what practical submission to his Lordship looks like in Felix's case and in Drusilla's case. And so Paul preaches we might say both justification and sanctification. He preaches law and gospel in the biblical proportions. Law to convict, gospel to comfort, and law as a guide in obedience. Well, his third point was judgment to come. Judgment that was certain and imminent and unavoidable. Paul could say to Felix and Drusilla, a great day is coming in which every one of us will stand before God and give an account of ourselves. We will stand before the judge of all the earth. Even a judge like Felix will have to stand before the judge of heaven and earth. And on that day, all of the sins of those who are outside of Christ will be brought forward and brought to light. And that evidence will be presented as they are sentenced to eternal punishment by a holy God. And a holy judge. But for those who are in Christ. There will be eternal life. And yes. Their works will be brought forward as. Evidence of being in Christ. Their temperance and. Such things. Will be. Proof of having been saved by the grace of God. They will be exonerated by the grace of God through Christ. This was Paul's message in a nutshell. It's the Christian gospel. It is the faith in Christ in a brief outline Let us notice the response of Felix. Felix is brought under great conviction. 
it says that he trembled. He trembled. Literally, he was frightened. He was terrified. And whether he was trembling outwardly or only inwardly, he is obviously a man under profound conviction. He has been confronted with the truth. He's brought face to face with the truth about God and the truth about himself. And of his unfitness to stand before God on the judgment day. And his need of Christ and Christ's perfect righteousness. The message from Paul came to Felix with a power that Felix was not expecting. He goes into this hearing with Paul as the one in control, the governor, and here's this prisoner. And what happens as the prisoner begins to preach to him? But Felix is made to be the prisoner. He is a prisoner to his own sins. He is a captive to his own lusts. Paul puts Felix on trial. And shows him that he needs to be released and set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. Who ever heard of a judge being frightened at the testimony of a prisoner? It's usually the other way around. The prisoner is the one who's trembling before the judge. Here's the judge trembling before the prisoner because of the Christian gospel that this prisoner declared to him. Felix was anything but happy. He is convicted. He is made very uncomfortable. And it's interesting that there's no mention of any reaction by Drusilla. We don't know if she was so convicted or not. Have you ever been made uncomfortable by the message of the gospel? Has it convicted you? Has it disturbed you? Martin Lloyd-Jones says there's nothing more uncomfortable in the world than to listen to this gospel when it is truly preached. So here's Felix under conviction, deeply affected. And the next thing it says is that he dismissed Paul. He says, go away. Go away for now. Felix couldn't bear to hear any more. He couldn't stand these feelings of guilt. He couldn't bear to have the spotlight of truth shine upon the darkness of his sinful heart. He couldn't bear the thought. He couldn't hear any more about the final judgment day. And so, instead of obeying the gospel, repenting of his sins, submitting to Christ, he sends away the messenger. 
instead of following his conscience, he persists in his sinful lusts. He can't have them both. He can't have a clear conscience and his sins. He must choose one or the other. And he chooses his sins. We see him continuing in his dishonesty, defying the law of the land. According to verse 26, he's looking for a bribe from Paul. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might lose him. He knows Paul is an innocent man, but he's not just going to set him free. Here's an opportunity to gain a little wealth. Paul knows a lot of people, has friends in a lot of places. He can come up with a large sum of money, and as soon as he does, I'll set him free, says Felix. He courts popularity with the Jewish people. As verse 27 says, after two years, Porcius Festus came into Felix's room or Felix's office and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. He makes Paul simply a political pawn in his own game of politics. Wants to be popular with the Jewish people, wants to gain or actually regain favor with them that he had lost. But perhaps the most significant thing here in the response of Felix is that he plans to have a future conversation with Paul. He says in verse 25, go thy way for this time. In the mind of Felix, this is not a final farewell. It's just for the time being. When I have, he says, a convenient season, I will call for thee. He plans to have a further conversation with Paul. And evidently, that conversation never occurred. Whatever further communications that they had and further contact that they had, according to verse 26, when it says that he sent for Paul the oftener and communed with him, was strictly business. It was a business conversation, a business negotiation. How much will you give me? How much can you come up with? Think about it, Paul. We'll talk again next week. Well, Paul, I'll reduce the amount to this if you will come up with it, and then I'll set you free. Evidently, a more convenient season to hear more about the faith in Christ never occurred. He says, when I'm ready, I'll, I'll talk to you. And he was never ready. <coughs> Let us make some application of this to us today.
Paul's message, beloved, is my message. And it's Paul's and mine because it's the biblical message and it's the gospel of Christ. And it's a message of righteousness, which none of us naturally has, fallen in Adam. A righteousness, and and we need righteousness, that is found only in Christ, imputed to us when we believe on Christ and come to him and trust in him. I declare unto you righteousness, and I declare unto you temperance. You know, that's one of the fruit, a part of the fruit of the Spirit in a believer, mentioned in James chapter 5. It's all part of the, the whole package of sanctification, holiness of life. This is what God demands and by saving grace, as we saw an hour ago, in some measure, grants and bestows. God requires that we give up our sin and that we give it all up and that we don't keep any known sin. And though we are not without sin, even as Christians, nevertheless, sin is our greatest grief and our greatest enemy. And we want to be delivered from it. Not just forgiven, but washed and cleansed and purified and delivered. My message to you today is a message of judgment. A day is coming when we shall all stand before the true and living God and give account of ourselves. And my friend, how will it be with you then? Will you be found righteous in Christ? Or will you be found a sinner in Adam? It will be one or the other. Perhaps there's a Felix here today. Your curiosity about the gospel has turned into some inward conviction. And perhaps in your soul you tremble, concerned about your standing with God, concerned about eternity to come. My dear friend, Do not stop at conviction. Do not stop at trembling. A person may be deeply convicted to the point of trembling and still end up lost in his sins because he doesn't close with Christ. This is the path of Felix. Curiosity, conviction, and procrastination. 
a more convenient season. Some other time, I'll give more attention to my soul. Don't let that be your path, my friend. If you are convicted of sin today, then turn from it and come to Christ. Let me say just a few words about procrastination. This this phrase is the procrastinator's phrase. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Felix assumed that there would be a future opportunity. That's to assume on more than he could possibly have known. The problem with intentions like Felix had is that you assume that there will be a future opportunity. And you assume that such a future opportunity will be as good, if not better than, the present opportunity. And you assume that other matters right now are more pressing and more urgent and more important, which is a great mistake. And you assume that you are in control of the matter when it pleases you, when it's convenient for you. And the truth is, you're at God's mercy and you come when he calls or you don't come at all. And you assume that for now, good intentions are enough. Good intentions my dear friend, are not enough. You must come to Christ. Today is the day to be saved. Today is the day to turn from all your sin and come to Christ and find salvation in Him. I'm glad that our paths have providentially crossed this day. I'm glad that you've heard the truth. What will you do with it? Will you wait for a more convenient season? It will never come. Today is the day to be saved. And so come to Him now. Come to the Savior now. Let me give just a little further information from secular history, what we know about Felix and Drusilla. It was about two years later, as verse 27 puts that time stamp, that Felix lost favor with the emperor. In a dispute there in Caesarea, Felix sided against the Jews and killed many of them. Well, the Jewish people who remained went and complained to Caesar. Felix tried to restore favor with the Jews and keeping Paul bound as a prisoner was part of that effort, but it was not enough. And Caesar removed Felix from office, replaced him with Festus, as it says, And only the influence of Felix's brother Pallas 
uh, kept Felix from being executed. He was driven from power, all that he had dreamed of, all that he had sought for, all that he had fought for was lost. And his name disappears from history. As for Drusilla, historians tell us about 20 years later, 79 A.D., she was in Italy, in the city of Pompeii. And on a certain day, suddenly Mount Vesuvius erupted nearby. And she and her son and many others perished almost instantly buried under 20 feet of ash. In a moment, Drusilla passed into eternity, lost forever. As for Paul, he lived a few more years, died as a martyr in a Roman prison, a martyr for Christ. And as his head was taken off, his spirit went to be with Christ. And there he is today. And the lives of these three intersected on that day, moving in very different directions. I'll just ask you in closing this simple question, how will your story end? Where will you end? Let it be with Christ in glory and not with Felix and Drusilla in hell.